0: Are you prepared to meet the ghost
1: of Christmas yet to come?
0: That's right, folks. We are on to stave... Four of A Christmas Carol audio drama. This has been so much fun. Thank you for tagging along for the ride and thank you to all who have uh, donated to Operation Christmas Child and uh, yeah, that is just just blows my mind that what we're doing here is helping support Operation Christmas Child. So what you, all you gotta do is go to Operation Christmas Child's website. The link is down in the description below. You can also find it at anotherworldaudiobooks.com but go there, make a donation. It can be for any amount. You can donate a dollar, you can donate a $500, whatever you got. This helps support uh, that wonderful organization and then send me a receipt of your donation and I will put you on the list of pre-orders to get the full version of the audiobook so thank you to everyone who has donated and if you haven't please consider doing that it is a wonderful way to give back this Christmas season to help a wonderful organization that is helping kids around the world who need uh, a little bit of Christmas in their lives so go ahead and check that out again all that information is down in the description below if you didn't catch it or if you want to go to anotherworldaudiobooks.com you can find all that info there as well Another huge shout-out, as always, to the amazing voice actors who made this uh, possible. Check out the cast interviews that we did a while back if you want to get a little more details on some of the people who who were in in this uh, production. Uh, A lot of awesome people. And uh, also a huge shout-out to Mike, Corky, Eziosa, and Aaron for being uh, patrons of the podcast. If you want to become a patron, I'm restarting the Patreon for Another World Audiobooks, which is uh, super cool. It's going to actually give you some perks for donating. So if you want to, uh, because Anchor is, is cool like the way it's pretty you know seamless but if you want to go through patreon then you'll actually get on a, a discord channel uh, and we're giving away some free audiobooks and there's going to be some merch involved so make sure to check that out speaking of merch you want to go to anotherworldaudiobooks.com you scroll down and you'll see a button that says buy merch that's going to take you to the another world audiobooks store which has a bunch of awesome t-shirts and hoodies and basically it's a designs that you can put on all these different types of, of clothing and and bag Bags and hats and mugs and all sorts of stuff. So there's like the the awesome like wolf logo for Another World Audiobooks. There's uh, a bunch of other stuff and all those things I um, are actually uh, little art projects that I did. I did all the the designs on there. So um, I just put it out there as another way to support the podcast. So you can support the podcast and you can also get some awesome merch to show off uh, to tell everybody about your favorite podcast. I hope this is your favorite podcast anyway. If not, no worries. I'll keep working until it is. Uh, but thank you everyone for listening and sharing the podcast. That is the biggest thing. Whether you donate and become a Patreon, whether you buy merchandise, whether you buy audiobooks, even if you don't do all of that, I'm still going to keep making this podcast because audiobooks like this, I, I believe they should be free, and that is what I'm all about. So if you guys will support me in that by just sharing and telling other people about it, then I'll be able to continue doing projects like this. All right. So now, without further ado, I give you stay four
1: of A Christmas Carol." The phantom slowly, gravely, silently approached. When it came, Scrooge bent down upon his knee, for in the very air through which the spirit moved it seemed to scatter gloom and mystery. It was shrouded in a deep black garment which concealed its head, its face, its form, and left nothing of it visible save one outstretched hand. But for this, it would have been difficult to detach its figure from the night and separate it from the darkness by which it was surrounded. He felt that it was tall and stately when it came beside him, and that its mysterious presence filled him with a solemn dread. He knew no more, for the spirit neither spoke nor moved.
2: I am in the presence of the... Ghost of Christmas yet to come? I am. You were about to show me shadows of the things that have not happened but will happen in the time before us. Is that so, spirit? It is. Oh, Oh, ghost of future, I fear you more than any spectre I have seen. But as I know your purpose is to do me good and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, I am prepared to bear you company and do it with a thankful heart. Lead on. Lead on. The night is waning fast, and it is precious time to me, I know. Lead on, spirit.
1: The phantom moved away as it had come towards him. Scrooge followed in the shadows of its dress, which bore him up, he thought, and carried him along. They scarcely seemed to enter the city, for the city rather seemed to spring up about them, and encompass them of its own act. But there they were, in the heart of it, on change amongst the merchants, who hurried up and down, and chinked the money in their pockets, and conversed in groups, and looked at their watches, and trilled thoughtfully with their great gold seals, and so forth, as Scrooge had seen them often. The spirit stopped beside one little knot of businessmen.
3: Listen well, Ebenezer Scrooge. I don't know much about it, either way. I only know he's dead. Hmm. When did he die? Last night, I believe. Why? What was
1: the matter with him?
3: I thought he'd never die. (sighs) God knows. What has he done with his money? Oh, I haven't heard. Left it to his company, perhaps? He hasn't left it to me. That's all I know. (laughs) It's likely to be a very cheap funeral. For upon my life, I don't know of anybody to go to it. Suppose we make up a party and volunteer. Uh, I
2: don't mind going if a lunch is provided,
3: but I must
2: be fed. If I make one.
3: (laughs) Well, I am the most disinterested among you, after all, for I never wear black gloves and I never eat lunch. (laughs) But off it go, if anybody else will. When I come to think of it, I'm not at all sure that I wasn't his most particular friend, for we used to stop and speak whenever
2: we met. I know these men. Of whom are they speaking?
1: Home.
3: How are you? How I am. Well, Scratch got his own at last, hey. So I'm dull. Cold, innit? Ha <laughs> ha. Seasonable for Christmas time. You're not a skater, I suppose. No, no. Something else to think of. Good morning.
1: Scrooge was at first inclined to be surprised that the spirit should attach importance to conversations apparently so trivial. But feeling assured that they must have some hidden purpose, he set himself to consider what it was likely to be. They could scarcely be supposed to have any bearing on the death of Jacob, his old partner, for that was past, and the ghost's province was the future. Nor could he think of anyone immediately connected with himself to whom he could apply them, But nothing doubting that to whomsoever they applied, they had some latent moral to his own improvement, he resolved to treasure up every word he heard, and everything he saw, and especially to observe the shadow of himself when it appeared. For he had an expectation that the conduct of his future self would give him the clue he missed, and would render the solution of these riddles easy. He looked about in that very place for his own image, but another man stood in his accustomed corner, and though the clock pointed to his usual time of day for being there, he saw no likeness of himself among the multitudes that poured through the porch. It gave him little surprise, however, for he had been revolving in his mind a change of life, and thought and hoped he saw his newborn resolutions carried out in this. Quiet and dark, beside him stood the phantom, with its outstretched hand. When he roused himself from his thoughtful quest, He fancied from the turn of the hand and its situation in reference to himself that the unseen eyes were looking at him keenly. It made him shudder and feel very cold. They left the busy scene and went into an obscure part of the town where Scrooge had never penetrated before, although he recognized its situation and its bad repute. The ways were foul and narrow, the shops and houses wretched, the people half-naked, drunken, "'Slipshod Ugly. "'Alleys and archways, like so many cesspools, disgorged their offenses of smell and dirt and life "'upon the straggling streets, "'and the whole quarter reeked with crime, with filth and misery. "'Far in this den of infamous resort, "'there was a low-browed, beetling shop below a penthouse roof "'where iron, old rags, bottles, bones, and greasy offal were brought.' Upon the floor within were piled up heaps of rusty keys, nails, chains, hinges, files, scales, weights, and refuse iron of all kinds. Secrets that few would like to scrutinize were bred and hidden in the mountains of unseemly rags, masses of corrupted fat, and sepulchres of bone. Sitting in among the wares he dealt in, by a charcoal stove made of old bricks, was a grey-haired rascal, nearly seventy years of age, who had screened himself from the cold air without by a frowsy curtain of miscellaneous tatters, hung upon a line and smoked his pipe in all the luxury of calm refinement. Scrooge and the phantom came into the presence of this man, just as a woman with a heavy bundle slunk into the shop. But she had scarcely entered when another woman, similarly laden, came in too, and she was closely followed by a man in faded black who was no less startled by the sight of them than they had been upon the recognition of each other. After a short period of blank astonishment in which the old man with the pipe had joined them, they all three burst into a laugh.
4: Let the charwoman alone to be the first, let the laundress alone to be the second, and let the undertaker's man alone to be the third. Look here, old Joe, here's a chance if we haven't all three met here without meaning it.
3: You couldn't have met in a better place, coming to the parlour. You were made free of it long ago, you know. The other two ain't strangers. Stop till I shut the door of the shop. Ah, how it squeaks. There ain't such a rusty bit of melt in the place as its own hinges, I believe. I'm sure there's no such old bones here as mine. Uh, We're all suitable to our calling. We're well matched. Come into the parlour. Come into the parlour.
4: What odds, then? What odds, Mrs Dilber? Every person has a right to take care of themselves. He always did. That's true indeed. No man more so. Why, then, don't stand staring as if you was afraid, woman. Who's the wiser? We're not going to pick holes in each other's coats, I suppose. No, indeed. I should hope not. Very well, then. That's enough. Who's the worse for the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead man, I suppose. No, indeed. If he wanted to keep him after he was dead, a wicked old screw, why wasn't he natural in his lifetime? If he had been, he'd have had somebody to look after him when he was struck with death, instead of lying, gasping out his last there, alone, by himself. It's the truest word that ever was spoke. It's a judgement on him. I wish it was a little heavier judgement. And it should have been. You may depend on it if I could have laid my hands on anything else. Open that bundle, old Joe, and let me know the value of it. Speak out plain. I'm not afraid to be the first, nor afraid for them to see it. We know pretty well that we were helping ourselves before we met here, I believe. It's no sin. Open the bundle, Joe.
3: Uh, uh, nothing doing. Open mine first, Joe. Let's see. What have we got here? Hmm. A CO2, a pencil case, a pair of sleeve buttons, and a brooch of no great value. Seems that's all. That's your account, and I wouldn't give another sixpence if I was to be boiled for not doing it. Who's next?
4: I'll go. I got me some fine sheets and towels, a little wearing apparel, two old-fashioned silver teaspoons, a pair of sugar tongs and a few boots.
3: I always give too much to ladies. It's a weakness of mine and that's the way I ruin myself. That's your account. If you asked me for another penny and made it an open question, I'd repent of being so liberal and knock off half a crown.
4: And now undo my bundle, Joe.
3: What do you call this? Bed curtains?
4: Too right. (laughs) Ha! Bed curtains!
3: (laughs) You don't mean to say you took them down, rings and all, with him lying there.
4: Yes, I do. Why not?
3: You were born to make your fortune, and you'll certainly do it.
4: I certainly shan't hold my hand when I can get anything in it by reaching out. For the sake of such a man as he was, I promise you, Joe... Don't drop that oil upon the blankets now. His blankets? Who else's, do you think? He isn't likely to take cold without them, I dare say. I hope he didn't dive anything
3: catching, eh?
4: (laughs) Don't you be afraid of that. I ain't so fond of his company that I'd loiter about him for such things if he did. Oh, you may look through that shirt till your eyes ache. But you won't find a hole in it, nor a threadbare place. It's the best he had. And a fine one, too. They'd have wasted it if it hadn't been for me.
3: What do you call
4: wasting of it? (laughs) Putting it on him to be buried in, for sure. (laughs) Somebody was fool enough to do it, but I took it off again. If Calico ain't good enough for such a purpose, it isn't good enough for anything. It's quite as becoming to the body. He can't look uglier than he did in that one.
3: Right then, here's what's yours. (laughs)
4: This is the end of it, you see He frightened everyone away from him when he was alive To profit us when he was dead
2: (laughs) Spirit, I see, I see The case of this unhappy man might be my own My life tends that way now Merciful heaven, what is this?
1: He recoiled in terror For the scene had changed, and now he almost touched a bed. A bare, uncurtained bed, on which, beneath a ragged sheet, there lay a something covered up, which, though it was silent, announced itself in awful language. The room was very dark, too dark to be observed with any accuracy. Though Scrooge glanced round it in obedience to a secret impulse, anxious to know what kind of room it was, A pale light, rising in the outer air, fell straight upon the bed, and on it, plundered and bereft, unwatched, unwept, uncared for, was the body of a man. Scrooge glanced toward the phantom. Its steady hand was pointed to the head. The cover was so carelessly adjusted that the slightest raising of it, the motion of a finger upon Scrooge's part, would have disclosed the face. He thought of it. Felt how easy it would be to do, and longed to do it, but had no more power to withdraw the veil than to dismiss the spectre at his side. <sighs> The spectre's voice, pronouncing these words in Scrooge's ear, turned his blood to ice in his very veins. He thought, if this man could be raised up now, what would be his foremost thoughts? Avarice? Hard-dealing? Griping cares? They had brought him to a rich end, truly. He lay in the dark, empty house, with not a man, a woman, or a child, to say that he was kind to me in this or that. Or for the memory of one kind word, I will be kind to him. A cat was tearing at the door, and there was a sound of gnawing rats beneath the hearthstone. What they wanted in the room of death, and why they were so restless and disturbed, Scrooge did not dare to think.
2: Spirit, this is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave its lesson. Trust me, let us go. Look beneath
3: the cover. See the face of this death.
2: I understand you, and I would do it if I could, but I have not the power, spirit. I have not the power. If there is any person in the town who feels emotion caused by this man's death, show that person to me, spirit. I beseech you.
1: The phantom spread its dark robe before him for a moment, like a wing, and withdrawing it, revealed a room by daylight where a mother and her child were. She was expecting someone, and with anxious eagerness, for she walked up and down the room, started at every sound, looked out from the window, glanced at the clock, tried, but in vain, to work with a needle, and could hardly bear the voices of the children in their play. At length, the long-expected knock was heard. She hurried to the door, and met her husband, a man whose face was careworn and depressed, though he was young. There was a remarkable expression in it now, a kind of serious delight of which he felt ashamed and which he struggled to repress. He sat down to the dinner they had been boarding for him by the fire.
5: What news, my love? Is it good or bad? Bad. We are quite ruined.
3: No, Uh, there is hope yet, Caroline.
5: If he relents, there is. Nothing is past hope if such a miracle has happened.
3: He is past relenting. He is dead.
5: Oh, thank God.
3: Forgive me for saying so, but... What the half-drunken woman whom I told you of last night said to me when I tried to see him and obtain a week's delay and what I thought was a mere excuse to avoid me turns out to have been quite true. He was not only very ill, but dying then. To whom will our debt be transferred? I don't know. But before that time, we shall be ready with the money. And even though we were not, it would be a bad fortune indeed to find so merciless a creditor in his successor. We may sleep tonight with light hearts, Caroline.
2: Spirit, let me see some tenderness connected with a death, or that dark chamber, Spirit, which we left just now, will
1: be forever present to me. The ghosts conducted him through several streets familiar to his feet, and as they went along, Scrooge looked here and there to find himself, but nowhere was he to be seen. They entered poor Bob Cratchit's house, the dwelling he had visited before, and found the mother and the children seated round the fire.
4: And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. The colour hurts my eyes. They're better now again. It, It makes them weak by candlelight. And I wouldn't show weak eyes to your father when he comes home for the world. It must be near his time. Past it, rather. But I think he's walked a little slow with any use these last few evenings, Mother. I have known him walk with... I have known him walk with Tiny Tim upon his shoulder very fast indeed. And so have I, often... And so have I. Me too. Me too. But he was very light to carry. And his father loved him so much that it was no trouble. No trouble. And there is your father. At
5: the door. Hello, my lovelies. My, my, how sober you all look. Cheer up, then. Don't mind it, father. Don't be grieved. I'm all right, child. Just the cold of my eyes. That's all. Mrs Cratchit, Martha, excellent work. You should be done long before long before Sunday comes round. Sunday You went today then, Robert? Yes, my dear. I wish you could have gone. It would have done you good to see how green a place it was. But you'll see it often. I promised him that I would walk there on a on a Sunday. <laughs> my little Little child. My little child. (laughs) I did see... I did see Mr Scrooge's nephew today. Scarcely seen him but once before. He met me in the street today and seeing that I looked a little... just a little down, you know. He asked me what had happened to distress me. On which... For he is a pleasantest spoken gentleman you ever heard, I told him. I am heartily sorry for it, Mr Cratchit, he said. and heartily sorry for your good wife. By the boy, how he ever knew that, I don't know. Knew what, my dear? Why, that you were a good wife?
4: Everybody knows that.
5: Very well observed, my boy. I hope they do. Heartily sorry, he said, for your good wife. I can be of service to you in any way,' he said, giving me his card. "'That's where I live. Pray come to me.' "'Now, it wasn't for the sake of anything he might be able to do for us, "'so much as for his kind way, that this was quite delightful. "'It really seemed as if he'd known our tiny Tim and felt with us.' "'I'm sure he's a good soul.' "'You would be sure of it, my dear, if you saw and spoke to him. "'I shouldn't be at all surprised, Mark, what I say.' If got Peter a better situation?
4: Only hear
5: that, Peter.
4: Oh, and then
5: Peter will be keeping company with someone and setting up for
4: himself. Along with you.
5: It's just as likely as not one of these days, though there's plenty of time for that, my dear. But however and whenever we part from one another, I am sure we shall none of us forget poor tiny Tim, shall we? Or this first parting that there was among us.
4: Never, father. Never, father.
5: Never, father. And I know, I know, my dears, that when we recollect our patient and how mild he was, although he was a little, little child, we shall not quarrel easily among ourselves and forget poor tiny Tim in doing it.
4: No, never, father. No, never, father. No, never, father.
5: I am very happy. I am very happy, indeed."
2: Spectre. something informs me that our parting moment is at hand. I know it, but I know not how. Tell me what man that was whom we saw lying dead?'
1: The ghost of Christmas yet to come conveyed him as before, though at a different time, he thought. Indeed, there seemed no order in these latter visions, save that they were in the future into the resorts of businessmen, but showed him not himself. Indeed, the spirit did not stay for anything, but went straight on, as to the end just now desired.
2: Spirit, wait! This corpse through which we hurry now is where my place of occupation is and has been for a length of time. I see the house. Let me behold what I shall be in days to come. What you seek is not there. The house is yonder, Why do you point away? What you seek
1: is not there. Scrooge hastened to the window of his office and looked in. It was an office still, but not his. The furniture was not the same, and the figure in the chair was not himself. The phantom pointed as before. He joined it once again, and wondering why and whither he had gone, accompanied it until they reached an iron gate he paused to look round before entering. A churchyard. Here, then, the wretched man whose name he had now to learn lay underneath the ground. It was a worthy place, walled in by houses, overrun by grass and weeds, the growth of vegetation's death, not life, choked up with too much burying, fat with repleted appetite. A worthy place indeed. The spirit stood among the graves and pointed down to one. Scrooge advanced towards it, trembling. The phantom was exactly as it had been, but Scrooge dreaded that he saw new meaning in its solemn shape.
2: Before I draw nearer to that stone to which you point, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of the things that will be, or are they shadows of things that may be only? Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends, to which, if persevered in, they must lead. But if the courses be departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus before you show me. Look.
1: Scrooge crept towards it, trembling as he went, and, following the finger, read upon the stone of the neglectful grave his own name. Ebenezer, Scrooge.
2: Am I that man who lay upon the bed? You have said... No, spirit. Oh, no! No, Spirit, hear me! I am not the man I was. I will not be the man I must have been but for this intercourse. Why show me this if I have passed all hope? good spirit. Your nature intercedes for me and pities me. Assure me that I yet may change these shadows you have shown me by an altered life. I will honour Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all a year. I will live in the past, the present and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me I may sponge away the writing on this stone.
1: In his agony, he caught the spectral hand. It sought to free itself, but he was strong in his entreaty and attained it. The spirit, stronger yet, repulsed him. Holding up his hands in a last prayer to have his fate reversed, he saw an alteration in the phantom's hood and dress. It shrunk, collapsed, and dwindled down into a bedpost.
0: Oh my word. I cannot tell you like the goosebumps that I got when uh <laughs> the, the guy who plays the, the ghost of Christmas uh yet to come, Roy Clark, he did the audition and I was, I, I called my wife over and I was like, you have to hear this. It was just like bone chilling the way his voice just is so perfect for that part. So thank you to all the uh, amazing voice actors who made this day possible. We are wrapping up here next week, people. That means that Christmas is almost here. And you know what that means? it means that now is the time to give back. So if you haven't done it yet, please, please go to Operation Christmas Child, make a donation, bring some Christmas cheer to the people who are in need the most. So, and and every little bit counts. If you want to donate a dollar, if you want to donate five dollars, whatever it is, just go to Operation Christmas Child, donate and then send me the receipt and I will put you on the list for the pre-order of the full version of the audio drama. So, it's really cool listening to these you know, stave by stave and kind of building up the, the suspense and all that sort of thing, but just wait till you hear it all as one seamless beautiful production it is amazing so if you haven't done it already go to operation christmas child donate uh send me the receipt and i'll put you on the list to get that free full version of a christmas carol audio drama now, that being said, um, I also just want to remind you, check out the Patreon, check out the, the merchandise store. I'm really trying to make the podcast more of um, like a, a full thing. So instead of just, you know, uh, stuff that you you can hear, it's going to be merchandise, it's going to be, um, you know, different perks in a community and all sorts of stuff. So keep your eyes peeled and your ears peeled. I don't know how you would do that, but uh, give it a try uh, to, uh, you know just see what's coming up for Another World Audiobooks. It's going to be some great stuff, and I'm so excited to bring it to you. So... Thanks again for listening. Remember to share the podcast with somebody that you know who might enjoy a free audiobook. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.